Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. Let me take a quick poll. How many of you are dreading going to work tomorrow? Okay, very good. All right. How many of you are dreading coming home from work tomorrow? How many of you want to answer honestly to either of those questions but are afraid of what people around you might think? Okay, all of us. So, um, so the challenge we have here is what do we do in a complicated life? What do we do when Jesus comes and steps into our world if we allow him to? Watch what happens in John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. If you're one of those people that doesn't mind underlining, grab pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, you might want to underline those five words. Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first sign of, first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. A wedding host that runs out of refreshment doesn't sound like a big deal in our American society, but we've got to get the picture that when you read the New Testament, it's critically important, not just the New Testament, the Bible. When you read the Bible, it's important that you understand the context under which it was written and understand that culture. In that Jewish culture, in first century Palestine, a Jewish wedding would have invited the whole town. And wine would have represented the blessing and celebration of God on that couple, on that family, and on that town. And so to have run out of wine would have, mean, would have meant to them that there was no blessing from God on the couple, no blessing from God on the people. There was no God involved in the service. And so they didn't have, like we have a wedding now, a wedding service lasts about 30 minutes and a reception lasts about two hours and it all costs about 40 grand. When they had a party, it lasted for a few days. And the way they started out is they, they broke out the good stuff. I mean, not the Boone's Farm, not the Trader Joe's stuff. I mean, they broke out the good stuff. Everyone who's chuckling inside is saying, that's me. <laughs> so when he runs out, things seem very complicated. I mean, but, but why bother here? I mean, aside from the immediate benefits to people present, turning water into wine, I mean, it's not like somebody who was dead come back to life. It's not like somebody who couldn't walk now walks. It's not like somebody who couldn't see now sees. It wasn't like somebody who couldn't hear now hears. I mean, I mean, as, as miracles go, I mean, water into wine didn't sound like that big a deal. 
but it was his first miracle, and it is symbolic and picturesque of an extraordinarily gratuitous God. And we've got to see it through that culture and understand it through that culture. So what's the big idea here? It shows water turning to wine, Jesus' authority and his power, and his desire to transform the bland and the lifeless into vibrant and thrilling. Most of our lives need a little vibrance and thrill. And Jesus says, I bring that to you. I offer that for you. It, it, you, the, the, your business is killing you. I offer, I offer vibrance for you. Your, your health is bad. I offer life for you. Your, your, your marriage is in trouble. I, I offer hope for you. Are you with me? And so what we find here is we find that this transformation happened. Here's the story. Jesus had recently been baptized by John the Baptist. He had been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Now he's called five of the 12 disciples in the, in the group of six go and join the mother of Jesus at the wedding in Cana, some maybe four and a half miles north of, of his hometown. And a traditional Jewish wedding hosted by the groom's family and the host were expected to entertain these guests and provide for them. According to John's gospel, the wedding hosts run out of wine, major embarrassment, major problem, and a spiritual disgrace. Remember, don't picture this wine the way you picture it today. Remember, it's not just the fruit of the vine. It's not just the wine they're consuming. Its presence is symbolic to this family. It is symbolic of the blessing, the celebration of God. And so the removal, the lack of that wine would mean no God. I mean, what we see here is no wine, no blessing, not good. Then Mary, Jesus' mother, goes to her boy and tells him the problem. Now, we don't know what she expected Jesus to do, but apparently she expected something. I mean, here's my guess. My guess is she sees the party now without God, but in her heart, she knows God's at the party her boy is God. So I'm imagining her walking over to her boy and saying, Jesus, you, you, you got to do something. I mean, kind of like you'd look at a kid and say, okay, if you, you've got to fill out that college application by tomorrow or we're going to miss this grant. You, you, okay, you've got to pick up your room. I can't see the carpet. Are you with me? She goes to her boy. She, she, she doesn't know what to expect, but she knows something is, is going to happen. And so even though Jesus told Mary his hour hadn't come, by the way, in the Bible, he, he refers to her as woman. Now in our Americanized society, had I ever referred to my mom when she said, do something and said, woman, <laughs> I would not have been sitting here today because I would, I would have gone from a rooster to a hen in a heartbeat. <laughs> Are you with me? Mom would have beat I'm telling you, mom would have took care of business, all right? But in this culture, if you translated his word woman to ours today, it would have been a huge term of respect and endearment. It would have sounded more like this, oh, my sweet mama. Yeah, how many of y'all hear that? Yeah, usually you hear this, mom! Mom! 
She asked Jesus to do something. He says, it's not my time yet, because his time is referring to, you know, fulfilling the prophecy and giving his life that we might have life. But clearly, he's moved. And we understand hospitality is this huge cultural value in the Middle East to this day. And remember, running out of wine symbolizes abundance, blessing, and celebration, and it's gone. And Jesus' mom seems to be speaking out of this compassion for her neighbors, but she also seems to be speaking out of certainty that my boy will do something which tells me that when she says, do whatever he tells you to do is good advice. Do whatever he tells you to do. See, when you don't know what to do, you do whatever he tells you to do. When you don't know where to turn, where do you go? You go to him. I mean, clearly Mary, the mother of Jesus, sees there's a problem. Who does she go to? She goes to Jesus. The party sees that God's not there. There's no blessing there, but God's at the party. And so the, the, the mother of Jesus, who knows this, goes to him, fix it. Mom, what, what should I, just fix it. Okay, so, so watch this. He, he looks at the servants. And by the way, the word servant there is where we get the word deacon from, diaconus. And so if you're, if you're a deacon in the life of the church, you're wondering, what's my job in this church? You're to be a servant who does what Jesus says. And so the servants... There's six of these things that held between 20 and 30 gallons apiece, somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons of water. Jesus says, go fill them to the brim. They do. They fill them all up. Now, remember, no spigots, right? So they had to tote, they had to go get, right? So they fill it out of the cistern. They, they bring it back. But now, remember, they were used for ceremonial washing, which means typically they would have put just a smidgen of water in. And what a, what a Jewish person would have done is just thrown a little water on their hand, and it was symbolic that my hands are clean now for the feast. Are you with me? But, but Jesus said, do something way out of the norm. Fill it up to the brim and bring it back. Now, clearly, the servants are like, dude, yeah, whatever he says, I'm on, right? So they go and they fill them all up because Jesus knew what to do. So now, Jesus had the servants fill these six cisterns, and they carried some to the master of the feast. And we don't know exactly how it happened, but we do know, I don't know if they poured it into a smaller jar, like, like, a, like a thing that you serve lemonade in, or I, I, I don't know how they did. Maybe they dipped into the, into the cistern. What, what I do know is this, is they got to the bride's dad, and somehow the water, when it went into the cup, went from water to good stuff. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Chuck, I thought this was a Baptist church. That must have been unfermented wine. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. It was the good stuff. Are you kidding me? I mean, it it was the good stuff. They broke out the good stuff. The master, I imagine, he takes a sip. (laughs) Whoa. Dude, that's like the $80 a bottle stuff right there, man. We left Two Buck Chuck a while ago. all of a sudden, do whatever he tells you to do becomes a miracle. Then John writes this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. What was the point? I mean, it wasn't a parlor trick. Jesus did this sign and and it was kind of a forbearing of what was to come, but it, it also allowed everybody there to see, wait a minute, this 
This is not your normal average everyday rabbi. This is not your normal average everyday teacher. This is not just another teacher. This, this is something special. So who should care? Anybody who wants, somebody who wants more out of life. If you're here today and you're stuck in a lifeless marriage or you want a, a good marriage, maybe you're here and, and your family doesn't talk to each other like they should. Maybe your friendship's grown stale. Maybe a business has no progress. Maybe you're stuck in an addiction. Maybe you're, you're, you're in a mess and you don't know what to do. Someone who wishes the dull and ordinary could become exciting and vibrant because that's what Jesus showed us he could do. He, he, he took the complicated, the dull, and the boring. Imagine a party where they expected to have free-flowing wine for a day and a half or two days, and it was gone. I mean, this party was about to become a bomb. And Jesus showed up with something pretty amazing. Consider the symbolism. Water, a symbol of life. Wine, a symbol of blessing and celebration. Our God is a transformative, creative God. He took the plain and made it special. He took the ordinary and made it fantastic. Does that not blow your mind? He took the ordinary and made it fantastic. Listen, when I look across this room, you know what I see without that, you know, Geico commercial, you know, I see people who God wants to take ordinary folks and make you fantastic. You just got to let him come into your party. You just got to let him do do what he says to do. Jesus showed us there's hope in our situation. I mean, what he's showing is that, that, that he, this is what he came to do, to turn despair into hope, sorrow into joy, defeat into victory, fear into courage, sinners into saints, and death into life. What in your life seems hopeless today? I mean, Jesus turned water into wine to demonstrate his authority to increase his disciples' faith, to show us that nothing is hopeless in his hands. And like Mary, we ought to take our problems to him. It's not on us. Take them to him. Six enormous stone jars there, 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And you know what those servants did? They did what he said. And they came back and they got to be a part of a miracle, a part of something extraordinary. All this might prompt us to wonder and even ask, really, wine? In a world filled with hurting people, people in need of cures, the restoration of their sight, the ability to walk, I mean, need to be released from real oppression, wine. I mean, into that world, Jesus comes and his very first public act, his first sign pointing to his mission and his glory is a picture of a gratuitous, generous God. I mean, this is not a God who wants to withhold his goodness from you. This is a God that wants to pour his best onto you. What is a wedding supposed to be about if nothing else? It is about love. My daughter and a son-in-law are sitting over there. When I walked her down the aisle a few months ago, by the way, she's about to give me my next grandbaby. Yeah. When I walked her down the aisle, you know what I thought to myself? I, I, I love this little girl. I, I, I want to give her the very best. I want her to experience the very best. And she got a great husband. And they, they live this wonderful life. And they're experiencing God's blessing on their life. And, and you know how they can have that? It just keep bringing God to the party. Not excluding it. So John bookends his gospel with two stories. The generosity at the wedding and the sacrificial gift at the cross. 
At the wedding, it was water into wine. And at the cross, it was death that turned into victory. He bookends his gospels here. And the sign points us toward God's extravagant love and his gratuitous generosity. We see at the wedding, we see at the cross, they're both about love. They're about love, a gratuitous, generous God who wants you to have everything. And all he says to you is, if you don't know what to do, ask Jesus. Now, just think about that. In your world, if you don't know what to do, ask Jesus. Chuck, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in the big, I don't know what to do. Ask Jesus. Say, well, how do I talk to him? How do I get to him? Okay, let, let me give you three quick thoughts. You ready? Number one, grab the book of John and read the book of John. And you say, well, Chuck, I don't understand the Bible. I don't get it. Okay, then read the book of John with somebody. And every, at the end of every chapter, ask yourself, who did Jesus say he was and what do I need to do about it? Okay, number two. Uh, how, do, how do I get to Jesus, right? You read the Bible. Number two, what if you actually prayed? Now, let me, let me stop. What if you actually prayed out loud? Now, I know that freaks most of you out. What if, what if when you're on your own in your car and you're riding down the road, what if you were to say, God, I desperately need you. If you need his blessing, invite him to the party. There he was. I mean, these people thought that God wasn't a part of their party. All along, he's right there. And when God's at the party, blessings flow in abundance. What if you invited him to your business? What if you invited him into your office? What if you invited him into your car? What if you invite him into your bridge club? What if you invite him into your book club? What if you invite him into your little hunting boys club? Uh-oh, wait a minute, Chuck. There we do stuff that God may not want to be a part of. Exactly. Exactly. What if you invited him into every part of your life? So when I don't know what to do, I ask Jesus, if I, if I want his blessing, I invite him to party. And when you allow him to direct your life, blessings flow in abundance. Now I get it. I mean, it's 2014. We, we are an advanced, progressed progress people, aren't we? We're smart. We have the internet. We can Google stuff. I mean, we got it all right here, or at least right here. And Jesus comes along and says, yeah, but can all of that turn your water into wine? Can all of that take the normal and make it special? But can all of that knowledge you have change your life from hopeless to hope-filled?